ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, we're happy to be back. I know it's been a while. We know you've missed us. You missed Uncle Train. You missed the big dog. You missed Matt from Hoboken. No joking. Please, dear Lord, stop joking. This is not a laughing matter. We're back. Subway series. Sipping cups of Joe in the morning, farting, farting around, having a good old, grand old-fashioned time. You gotta love it, you gotta suck it, you know the name of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are talking Mets. We're talking Yankees. And we're bringing back an oldie but a goodie. It's a segment that, you know it, you love it. It's called, Who the Fuck Is That? Where we will describe some statistics around a player. Typically, it will be a player who is doing pretty friggin' good, but flying under the radar a bit. And you gotta be wondering, hold on, who the fuck is that guy? Or a girl. We don't discriminate. Uh, but because it is the MLB, it's most likely a guy. Big dog, boking no joking. Any last words before we delve into it? Ladies and gentlemen, it is just great to be back bringing you... The hottest. The hottest talk the international podcast sensation uncle train and the big dog featuring matt from hoboken just great to be back 20 games into the season talk a little baseball here and uh it's great to see you uncle train it really is and i would say the same about matt from hoboken but i just quite frankly cannot see him right now um but something tells me he's going to be making an appearance some point on this uh on this here podcast yeah you can't you can't see me no the angle of your facetime you're facing the ceiling we can't see your face uh, it's because I'm trying to keep my phone on the charger so it doesn't die and I don't have to miss time. You should prop it up pod. behind a book or something, but either way, the show must go on, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Luckily, the Yanks are stanking big farts. The Mets are top of the division. This is going to be a wonderful episode. We have many, many glorious things to discuss, so without further ado, let's jump right into it. Hit you with a little bit of Tommy Rose. Sweet pea. Come on, how we doing, boy? Still pissed that the Yanks took over the fan. That's such bullshit. You gotta unmute yourself, big dog. Oh, I'm here. Don't worry. I'm I'm, I'm not mute. Well, you can hear me because I'm talking through the phone, right? What's the uh, What's the Mets? I mean, what's the Yanks jingle on the fan? Do they have a little? Uh, Let's go Mets? Yanks! Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I made that up. I made that up. <laughs> I haven't listened to the fan like like live for like that type of thing in a long time, so I'm not yeah, even sure. Understandable. I mean, with those pieces of Duke announcers that you got. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. We're talking some Metropolitans, the boys over in Flushing, Queens, New York. Top of the division, albeit with a delayed series at the very beginning of the season. So, you know, they got three games that they didn't play. But say la vie, it is what it is. The boys are at the top of the NL East, and you absolutely have to lug it. Love it. You lug it. Come on. You were not lugging anything. We're loving it, folks. And the big dog absolutely has to suck it. A couple things that the boys just got to touch on for the Metsies. Jake the Snake, DeGromer, DeGoat is pitching on levels that have been incomprehensible for the last few decades, folks, to baseball fans and players alike. He is undeniably the best pitcher in baseball, drawing parallels to Pedro and the big unit himself in their prime. You just gotta say Uncle Train paid 84 big ones for this man during our fantasy draft. By far the highest paid player during the auction draft. <laughs> not even close. Not even and it close. might not have been enough. It might and not it have been enough. And it was worth every penny, ladies and gents. <laughs> Last week, we saw him flash the brilliance once again with a 16 strikeout performance against the Nats, lowering his ERA to an unfathomable 0.31. 50 strikeouts through four starts an MLB record 
I mean, two Cy Youngs back to back, and then coming in third the following year uh, in 2020. A 2-1 and one record is laughable, to say the least, uh, when you're pitching to the tune of a 0.31 ERA. But, of course, it's nothing that we are not used to as Mets fans. Going back to 2018, we know that the Mets are 36 and 42 in Degrom starts, and out of That's those 40, such ass. out of those 42 losses, 31 quality starts. Absolutely That's, unbelievable! It has become clockwork. That's pretty bad. Um, you just really hate to see it. Uh, but Degrom, I mean, there's really not enough things that you can say about this man. He is pitching on levels. Uh, that we have not seen in quite some time. You know, even Scherzer in his prime, Kershaw in his prime, I would say DeGrom, the dude is pitching 100 miles an hour into the eighth inning. I mean, it really is absolutely insane. Uh, uh, he's having a, a career very similar to, like, Sandy Koufax, where yes. it's, like, been this kind of stretch at, like, the same age range of their careers where they've just been so dominant. Yep. And obviously we're only, you know, approaching May, Mm-hmm. But if DeGrom can pitch like near this level for this season, there's a chance he wins his third Cy Young in four years. And if the Mets are good, there's a good chance he could even win an MVP when he's playing at the level that he's playing right now. Uh, we haven't seen many pitchers pitch at this dominance before. But when they have, uh, they have won the MVP. So I, uh, a little foreshadowing. I think it's possible. I'm joking. Yeah, you know, I, think he, I think he... Um, like, the, the stat that really is crazy is that he... I mean, there's a million crazy stats, but the fact that right now, through four starts, he's got more runs batted in than he's got earned runs mm-hmm. is just out of this world. And I hear people saying, like, these are video game numbers. Yeah, they're video game numbers if you turn on the easiest possible setting you play and, like... Yeah, like you you play on rookie and like you've been playing the game for a really long time. So you know like the ins and outs and the nuances. Mm -hmm. So you can dominate because this is like above and beyond what you could possibly do in in a video game. I mean, this is like and and you throw out Scherzer and Kershaw. I think we can throw those guys to the curb right now. What he's doing right now has not been seen for a while. I think the the names that you got to start throwing out are Gibson, Koufax. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an elite squad. It's a, it's just a ridiculous like stretch of excellence from Degrom, um, and it's pretty crazy that uh, you know we're we're witnessing it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you cannot say enough about how unbelievably good Jacob Degrom is, and uh, you'd be you'd be foolish to say that anyone besides him is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Of course, it it, it is very cool paralleling, you know, uh, or drawing parallels between DeGrom and guys like Sandy Koufax and, uh, and Gibson, you know, guys that, again, for, for us at our, at our fairly young, nubile age, we are, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's almost, it, it's like you, you speak about these guys that's speaking about, like, legends, you know, and it's, it's almost because, again, we didn't live in that era. They're on this, this high pedestal. You know, that you almost can't even imagine in, in the modern era of baseball. It's pretty neat to see. It's a pretty neat thing to live through. Uh, Once-in-a-generation once kind of pitcher. Um, it's, it, you think about it, and it's like, what are the odds that a guy that's historically good is going to be pitching for your favorite team? For your team. And, like, you get you get to actually watch him every five games. Yeah. And it's it's super cool to think about. And I was I was kind of going through it the other day in my head where it was like, you know, since we didn't see those other guys that we had mentioned, like a Gibson or a mm-hmm. Koufax, like when I'm thinking of like the top pitchers that I have seen in my lifetime, Degrom is now probably in the top three or four of that list. When you think yep. of like Pedro, Randy Johnson, like even though he was with the PEDs, Roger Clemens is probably a Flavors. top five pitcher that I've ever seen. Flavin. And now it now it's like Degrom. And, you know, maybe like Kershaw or Verlander, one of those two guys rounds up the top five, in my opinion, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, it's very cool to it's like be cool watching this. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's it's also like crazy to think about with DeGrom. So DeGrom debuts in 2014, but he's like, he, he's he not what, 27 years old, too. Yeah. And he's not and he's a top prospect. And the Mets at that time 
have Matt Harvey, who looks like he's going to be what DeGrom is now. I mean, he starts an all-star game in City Field, Mm -hmm. pitches an unbelievable start in the World Series. You have Noah Syndergaard, who, you know, was was a big prospect coming from Toronto, who they got for R.A. Dickey. And while Syndergaard has been good at times, he has not shown an ability to stay healthy. He's been inconsistent. Then you have Zach Wheeler, who's no longer with the team. And Fuck again, him. he's another guy that that's shown flashes. Um, but another guy, I mean, they've got him Not for dumbass. Carlos Beltran. Yeah. And it's just like, this is the, he was, this guy was probably like fourth in the pecking order. Yes. Uh, you know, he was not a big prospect, as I said. And all of a sudden, you look back and it's like, holy shit, this yeah. is the guy out of that four who became... Probably five. Like, Don't forget, Mats was probably legendary. a higher-rated prospect right. than him. And Mats. You had Mats, too. You had Mats, too. Um, and it's board. just... It's insane. I mean, it's just fucking insane. And they got to get him some run support. They yes. did it last game. Um, but holy shit. Uh, they, it, it is just mind-boggling, the numbers that DeGrom is putting up. Yeah. yeah. It is a, it's a pretty cool thing to be experiencing, especially as a Met fan. You know, seeing a, a homegrown guy like this it's a rarity. It is a rarity indeed. Um, I mean, beyond DeGrom and the rotation, the rotation's been, you know, fairly solid. Stroman has, uh, you know, through his first few starts was pretty dominant. His, his last one uh, last week was a bit, uh, you know, a bit iffy. Clearly wasn't showing quite the same uh, same caliber of dominance as he was the first few games. But um, still, you like to, you, you got to be pumped with what you're seeing out of Stroman so far. Peterson's been fairly hit or miss. Um, Joey Lucchese, our new Italian boy that, you know, taken over for Riccardo Porcello. He's been an absolute duke, so you really hate to see what you're seeing from him. But guys like Taiwan Walker, strikeout-heavy kind of guy. You'll see him put up, you know, seven-plus strikeouts a game. But seems to be giving up some hard contact. So based on how the defense is playing, I think defense bailed him out in his last start quite a bit. So he's not necessarily guaranteed to uh, succeed. But I'm eager for guys like the Cookie Monster Carrasco to return next month. Cindergard's going to be returning at some point, what, uh, mid-June, I think, recovering from Tommy John. So, you know, with the return of Carrasco and Cindergard, you see, you know, a guy like Peterson who is proven to be pretty solid. You know, he gets bumped to, like, the five spot. So once we have a hopefully strong rotation, I am eager to see what they're able to accomplish. The rotation has definitely been a strong point, in my opinion, for the Mets so far. You have a guy like Stroman who, you know, he has... Solid stuff, but he's not really a top-of-the-line starter. And I think once Carrasco comes back and Syndergaard comes back, that'll take a lot of pressure off of Stroman Mm -hmm. in that, like, need to perform um, and put him more in a role where he could probably exceed the expectations of what a number four starter would normally do. Uh, I know know a lot of people have an issue with Stroman because of, like, the way that he opted out last year and kind Mm -hmm. of had his contract toll... A lot of people think he's super outspoken. He blocks a crap ton of people on Twitter. Um, but I, I personally I like, like, I love, I love his attitude. I love the way that he works on like the mental aspect of his game at all times. Yeah. Um, I, I know the big, the big dog's laughing right now. You can't see it, but I know he probably doesn't like the way Strowman talks about the Yankees a lot. Um, <laughs> Strowman is, so, is so salty about the Yankees. It's absolutely hilarious. He's been very good to start the season, but the his his uh, presence sometimes on social media is just like it's I, enough, I see, Marcus. I like it. He I get it. I get it. And and to quote to quote Cruz in Coach Carter talking to Lyle after Lyle gets in a little scrap. I like to see the fight in you, dog, and I like to see the fight in Strowman. Yeah, I I personally enjoy seeing that like on a team that you root for, like having somebody who's got like that super. Like ferocity in him, like he's never he's, he's never like, like on pitcher. his on switch is literally just always flipped up. Mm-hmm. He's never off um, in terms of like an attitude and like with his personality and things like that. Yeah, so, I can see really liking him as a member of your own team. Totally. I just think yeah. he it's like a Bryce Harper kind of guy. Like Harper, right. I absolutely despise him as a Mets fan. You know. And he is a let's make baseball fun kind of guy. Those are the guys that you like to see when they're on your team. But when they're right. playing against it, you're like, ah, oh, you fucking piece of shit. You could choke on it. God damn it. 
And more importantly, they're probably just great teammates <laughs> to have. Like, like if you're in that clubhouse, you're probably glad that those guys are in your clubhouse. Absolutely. Definitely. You probably feel the same way when they, they're on the other side. Like, you're probably and like, this guy's so fucking annoying. The first guy who's yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the pitching staff has been great. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting Carrasco and Sidney Guard back. Totally. Um, next thing I want to touch on for the Metropolitans... Um, some nice little bright spots this year have been across the defense. We've seen some some leather been flashed uh, for a for a couple different guys. One thing that is huge is having not only a a just competent and average, but above average and strong middle infield. That is a thing of beauty. You know, gone are the days of low boy Rosario, the kid flipping it to old man Cano. Uh, to try to turn the, the, the Dublé Playski and just absolute dog shit happening there. That's one of those memories. And unfortunately, you know, we can't really block it out of our heads. But now that we see Lindor flipping it to Jeffy Mack in his natural habitat, Mack in his habitat, the Jeffy Mack man in his natural habitat man, that is a beautiful image. Guys like Kevin Pillar um, out in center field when he does play, allowing Nimmo to move over to his natural habitat in left, you know, JD being able to play third base, his natural habitat, McNeil playing second base, and, you know, you're seeing guys move. This is kind of a theme. Let's let's consider this theme of a natural habitat. This is like a very um, PETA-approved zoo of animals being in their natural habitat, their natural playing positions. That just allows the defense to feel stronger, naturally just more fluid in their motions. I don't really know what the fuck I'm trying to explain, but you know, you, you know, you, Me neither. You, see what, you see what I'm trying to do here? You know, it's for it's it's been a long time, is what I'm trying to say. It's been a long time since we've seen some of these guys play in their natural positions consistently. Seeing JD Davis, you know, be able to play third base, Jeffy Mack at second, Nimmo being able to shift into a corner outfield position. Now, these are things that, again, we've been forcing Nimmo to play center field and cover all this ground when it's not his natural position. Forcing McNeil, even though he is a very versatile player, pushing him into the outfield at times. Same thing with J.D. Davis. Being able to get Cano off the fucking field and push Jeffy Mack there, it just allows things to kind of fall into place as they really were destined to happen. That, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, I mean, the up-the-middle defense has definitely been great. I mean, we watched... I don't know if you saw the Colorado game the other day when it ended with McCann throwing out Story trying to steal second base Beauty. and Lindor with like the quickest tag Beauty I've ever seen in my life. Amped. I just, I, I just like pictured in my head trying to watch Wilson Ramos try and throw that ball to Rosario, yep. and I know that that ball would have wound up in center field, yep. and Story would have wound up on third, mm-hmm. and it would have been a whole disaster. Exactly. So, like, just having having that up-the-middle defense that's so improved um, is amazing to watch. And while I know Lindor has been slow to start at bat, but his def- defensive presence has been, like, so felt for this team. Huge. And he's he's tied for first in outs above average. Um in baseball for the shortstop position with three mm-hmm. like so that's already a huge difference when rosario would have negative outs above average at shortstop totally. if he was still a shortstop you know so um yeah, yeah. lindor I'm, I'm pleased lindor's defense has been huge uh just being able to kind of solidify that up the middle defense like you said has been an absolute game changer we've been relying on guys like uh ruben tejada you know rest in peace his leg god bless him golden boy Rosario again, you know, just I, overall subpar defensive shortstops. We haven't had we haven't had a good guy. I do have to say one thing. While overall the defense has been improved, it's still not great. It's better, but it's not great. Uh, I like I can't watch JD Davis play third anymore and watch him kill innings for this team and make the pitchers labor even more than they already have to. Uh, it's brutal to watch. And the only reason he's even still playing is because he's the only one in the lineup, really, that's hitting. hitting. Like, Confor- yeah, Conforto has been ass. Yeah, like to bench him right now. He's the best hitter on the team right now. You'll score like, one or two yeah. runs a game if J.D. Davis isn't playing. If he's playing, you'll score three to four. And with the way your pitching staff is pitching, exactly. that gives you a chance. Yep. But uh, he is one of the worst fielders I think I've ever had the, the pleasure of watching in my entire life. So... 
there's something they got they got to do with that. <laughs> He's a DH I mean, playing in a league without one. I mean, he he is definitely a trade candidate uh, at the deadline. If you need to go and get something, you know, whether that be a starter, uh, a a better offensive slash still good defensive center fielder that the Mets have been looking for forever, seemingly. Um, I mean, J.D. Davis is going to be interesting to a lot of AL teams, I think, if he continues to hit this way. Um, I mean, Mets, interestingly, lowest uh, home run total so far uh, in the early going. You know, some of that could be baked into less games than other teams. Not, uh, not too much less at this point, but only 15 home runs right now for the Mets. Got to be wondering, folks, what's what's with the power outage in Queens? Yeah, that's that's that, that's a good point. The offense definitely has been inconsistent. Uh, we we've we've seen them, you know, every other game put up four or five plus runs. So it's not like you know the offense isn't completely there. Um, it's just that I th- it's a matter of consistency. You know, we've seen games where uh, where they get shut out or manage to score one run. And that's the sort of thing. They, it, and this is what they often have done in the past. They just kind of bunch all of their offense into one specific game, put up 10-plus, and then the next game they get completely blanked. So that's something I think you know, needs to be, needs to, uh, they need to get that fixed, is just kind of spreading out their offense a bit. It has been very heavy in certain games. Um, yeah, I don't, with, I don't. I mean, listen, the, the thing with the Mets is that you know the offense is going to wake up. I mean, this is it's too talented of a... Uh, yeah. One through nine on the offensive front for this to continue. Offensive production around the league has been down. I mean, mm-hmm. the the numbers are disgusting of, of what's happening across baseball. And hopefully as it gets a little nicer out, that changes a little bit. But I think if you're a Mets fan, um, you know, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, we're, we're nine and eight. Pitching's been solid. Offense has been stank fest. Uh, so you know, there's room for for optimism there. That's a good point. I think I think that kind of naturally transitions into the two points that I wanted to make is uh, related to Lindor and Jeffy Mack. Uh, Jeffy Mack is a guy who all he knows is hitting above three hundo. The dude does. He just hit a, He just hit a dong five minutes ago. By the way, did he? Come on, yeah. Jeffy Mack. You know we're wondering. <laughs> I was going to say someone someone had to because when I was looking at the stats like ten minutes ago, it was fourteen home runs for the we're, Mets. We're, we're wondering. Refreshed at fifteen. You got to give a shout out to MLB.com because Jeffy Mack. They were on that home run very quickly. When yeah, he hit a dong, back? and then you... Peterson gave one up immediately after. Oh, Jesus. Who, okay. who to? Who to? <laughs> uh, Dahlbeck. Don't matter who it's to. Let's carry on. So, Jeffy Mack, we're wondering, when are you coming back? Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like he might have just come back. Like I was saying, the dude only knows how to hit over 300, so it's that's just what he knows. It's what he loves. Everyone else loves to see it, so we're not necessarily expecting another you know 23 home run season like he did two years ago, but we know that he's going to figure it out. He's going to end up uh, producing offensively. Just with some nice singles, doubles. We're playing small ball. That's what Jeffy Mack loves to do. On top of Jeffy Mack, when are you coming back? We know he's back. Lindor is the other elephant in the room that needs to be addressed. He comes into uh, today hitting 210 on the season with only two extra base hits, one of those being a ding dong. And this is a guy that you know he's good for. You know, 30 plus home runs he did three years straight. We know, you know, who we signed when we dished out this gigantic contract. The promising thing that I will say is that Lindor's strikeout rate, walk rate, and whiff percentage are all elite right now. So he's all in the 85, 90, 95 percentile for those respective categories, which is pretty evident that it's really just a matter of time before he breaks out. Um, Again, you've you've seen you know the guy that you're getting when you dish out a contract like that. So I don't think this is going to end up being those things. That's an extremely surprising bust. Uh, he's he's just been too consistent, uh, you know, at the plate. In addition, obviously, to his stellar defense, for us to expect anything less than him kind of coming back into his natural form of hitting you know upwards into the uh, the high two hundreds, two eighty sort of average, good for three you know thirty dongs or so. Uh, so I'm 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 hopeful. I think we just kind of need to sit tight, wait it out. Lindy will figure it out. I think yeah. I think just like one thing that gets lost a lot as fans, we expect 
guys like Lindor and anyone who comes over to just immediately be yeah. a star in the new market. But you got to realize there's a lot of changes for him as as just a human being. Totally. I mean, he's moving to a new city with a new job. You know, like yes, he's still a shortstop, but it's a completely different team. It's a completely different clubhouse. He's got to change his routine entirely. And um, you should ask Jonah for advice on how to do that. <laughs> the baloney man, ladies and gentlemen, he loves moving. He loves changing jobs. It's what he does. Big shout out to the baloney man. Um, big shout out. Uh, but I think, you know, you just got to give it some time. I, I don't think any Mets fan should be worried about Frankie Lindor truffles. By the way, how good are Lindor truffles? How many Lindor truffles do you think that uh, Frankie's eaten before the pregame? He's probably got to eat six to seven. Maybe he's probably only having four or five now that he's in New York. He's watching his figure a little bit. Box a week. Might, might, be, uh, might be why he's struggling a little bit. But the good thing about Francisco Lindor also is that you're always going to get great great defense. Yes. You're always going to get great defense. Even if yes. he's struggling a little bit offensively, you know it's going to come. You're right, Uncle Train. Probably going to be hitting like 280-something by the end of the year, maybe 300. Depends yep. on the year. Uh, I don't think you could worry about him. And he's just, listen, the whole team's not hitting. I mean, it's not right. just him. It's not just him. It's not just him. Seems to be a common theme in New York, which we will get to uh, just a little bit later, folks. Oh, boy. Well, a little bit later is about to come to uh, an even littler bit later. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we're wrapping up the Mets segment. We're going to move over to the Stankies of the Bronx. But before that, we're going to give you a little word from our sponsors. Stanley Steamer, your certified cleaner. Stanley Steaming Pile of Dookie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Stanley Steaming Pile of Duke. Have we done this advertisement on the pod before? Drop us a note on Twitter. Let us know because we cannot recall. It seems too good to be true that Stanley Steamer, the Steaming Pile of Duke, wedged under your carpet. Hasn't been done, but ladies and gents, let's say that it hasn't just for old times' sake. Stanley Steamer is coming, and you better watch the fuck out because they are about to scrub every single little morsel of food, Lego pieces, shredded bits of paper that the dog chewed up after he or she pulled it out of the garbage can when they were not supposed to pull it out of the garbage can and you clearly told them before you left the house not to go into the garbage but they decided to do it anyway because they have no regard for your respect for their animal to leave them alone and either way they just go into the garbage and pull it out and shred it up and then put it into the corner of the carpet and then you get stuck there are you kidding me? Not my dog. That's not happening with my dog. Let me tell you. My dog is a good boy or a girl. I don't have a dog, but if I did, it would be good. And it's not ripping up papers and going in the garbage and pulling things out of the garbage and shredding them up on the floor. No, my dog is paying attention to what I say before I leave the house. And what I say before I leave the house is, you do not go in the garbage, you be a good boy or girl, and I will be back in a few hours, and it's not a big deal. So stop crying. That's what I say to my dog and my dog listens, my hypothetical dog that I don't have, but I will have eventually, moving to Shy City soon. If anyone's in Shy City and you're listening, you gotta give me a hoot and holler because I'm coming in hot. Memorial Day weekend, me and my girlfriend Mo are driving in with the U-Haul. We're gonna have plenty of luggage. Moving into those floor-to-ceiling windows apartments. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you gotta tip the cap to Shy City. We're coming, we're coming in hot. You better get ready. Big Dog, anything to say about Stanley Steamer? Yeah, so, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't have said it any better myself, so I do not want to uh, take away from what was already a just 10 out of 10 performance about Stanley Steamer. Um, all I will say is that Stanley, great guy, uh, known for the steaming dukes that he often takes, he does. And uh, that's how the company got their namesake, folks. Little known fact, Stanley, he's the type of guy who is not taking one, not taking two, not taking three, but taking four, four dukes. big ol' steaming dookie steaming cakes dukes. Uh, per day. Actually, per half day. So he's really an eight duke per he's day guy. guy kinda, he's an eight duke a day kind of guy. They call, they call him he, Stanley eight duke a day steamer. 
he is just the the Jacob de Grom of taking Dukes because you don't see that type of performance very often. It comes along once in a generation, as uh, Matt from Hoboken said. So, Stanley, we salute you. Thank you. Uh, you give us a reason to be here and talk Dukes on this podcast. So, thank you very much, Stanley. Shout out to you. Shout out to your mother. Love to see it, folks. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, Stanley, this episode's for you. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for us to enter the next segment of the podcast. We're talking Yankees, the Bronx Bombers, from New York, New York. They absolutely stank big farts Bottom of the barrel of the AL East. Holy crap. Nobody wants to sniff these guys with a 10-foot pole. Duke all over the place. I can't even begin to describe the disgusting aura that they emit from the depths of the AL East. Big Doug, what do you got to say about the boys? Wow. It's just one of those horrible, horrible times where I just can't say anything It's a horrid stench. It's it's disgusting. It is unwatchable. It is lifeless. It is disgusting. Get the clothespins, folks. You could get the clothespins, and I don't think it's going to keep the stench out because that's how bad the Yankees have been so far, folks. It is disgusting. And I would be remiss if I didn't start by talking about the putrid Yankees offense 1-9. to nine. Listen, I have a lot of conversations about the Yankees. I really do. I see a lot of tweets. I have a lot of conversations about the Yankees. And everyone is always looking to call someone out. Giancarlo Stan. He's sitting under 200. He stinks. Stank. We got, we got uh, Glaber Torres. He's hitting like 213. Stinks. Everyone Baby wants man, to pin stank. the blame. Everyone wants to pin the blame on one guy. The real truth is, one to nine, they absolutely stank. Stank. Absolutely terrible. It's just it's just absolutely awful. The offense is just horrible. Um, I could go one through nine and talk about each guy individually. Uh, they've all been trash. I'm not going to do that. Instead of doing that, I am going to talk about some team offensive numbers just to describe how bad the Yankees are. Let's talk a little bit about average. I know that uh, you know nobody seems to care about average these days, but we do care about it here on Uncle Train and the Big Dog. Yeah, well, you might love it, but a lot of people are more focused on OBP and some saber metrics. Here's the real truth. Average still matters. Putting the ball in play still matters. Yankees as a team, and this is only because they've had a a few decent innings tonight uh, of baseball, 28th in the big leagues, tied with the Chicago Cubs with a 210 batting average. Clothespin. Unacceptable. Stanky dookie. Awful. Has to get better. OPS, that's on base percentage plus slugging percentage. Again, another one that unfortunately has risen, well, fortunately, I guess, but has risen over the last couple of hours. Yankees, 669, 24th in baseball. We're talking about teams like the Pirates around them, the Brewers, the Orioles, the Tigers. It is disgusting, folks. There is crap in my pantaloons, and it is not me. I promise it is the Yanks. It has been really hard to watch. I mean, we're we're about 20 games in, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I honestly I don't really care at this point in time. Um, but the fact of the matter is we're almost through April, and the Yankees' offense has been abysmal. This is a team that is built on hitting the long ball. You know what? Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier, who, by the way, is your new starting left fielder, big deal made of Clint Frazier starting in left field this year, uh, com- combined, let me do the math for you real quick. I'm just computing it uh, in my little laboratory over here. They've combined for a total of zero home runs. I mean, it is Ooh. trash. It is absolute trash. I mean, you have you have everybody. You have Gary Sanchez, who, by the way, had a good couple of games the before man. in the first week of the season, hitting a couple doms, and guess what? He absolutely stinks, Thanks. folks. I've been saying it for years. You're welcome. If you've been listening to this podcast, you've been getting great information because Gary Sanchez 
stanks. And I will get to him a little bit more later, but I'm really focused on how bad the offense is top to bottom here uh, so far to start the season. There is no clutch hitting. There's a lot of strikeouts. You got Giancarlo Stanton hitting under 200. Yes, he's hit some home runs, folks. And yes, he's not their biggest problem, but Jesus Christ, folks, can the man start hitting? I really don't know. I'm getting a little concerned. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Guy, man, the man has no fucking protection. I mean, All Jesus right. Christ. The amount of walks that he's had. Uh, but he is not coming through. He's had some base running blunditos uh, that have been costly. I Really just one last night. But just awful. It's, it's still leaving a taste in my mouth. You it's can, absolutely you, terrible. You, you can all rise and then you could sit right back down inside of the toilet where you've, you've just taken a duke and it, rizzed, it ra- raised, riz, rose, rose above the waterline. Derek Risen. Um, so here's the thing. Aaron Judge, the numbers are not terrible. He's got now five home runs after tonight. Um, he's got a nice OBP hovering around 380. He's hitting around 250. That's all fine and good for Aaron Judge. I'd like to see the average a little bit higher. But really, folks, oh, he's killing it. Just, has, just has not been great. Um, yeah, but with his strike zone, 250 is actually all right. Uh, but just... It, it's just been nauseating to watch. I mean, first base production has been awful. We had to, we forced the man into retirement, Jay Bruce, because he was so fucking bad. I couldn't watch that anymore. One of the worst baseball players I've ever seen. I know he had a nice R- career, but R.I.P. Jay Bruce, just absolutely awful. Uh, Ruggie Odor, how about a little stench in the Bronx? Uh, he's had some big hits. <laughs> Rafael Odor, but man, oh man, the fact that last night he's hitting fourth in the lineup makes me want to throw up. <laughs> I mean, the so fact that you're awful. making me watch Rafael Odor hit fourth for the Bronx Bombers in a game where you kind of need to win because you got to clean up against this trash Orioles team and then the trash Tigers, and you're hitting this guy fourth, that's the protection for Aaron Judge? I mean, it's just not acceptable, that's, folks. That, that is a rough odor. Oh, that is a disgusting odor. You smell that? Because it stinks. And lastly, I would be, I, I, you know, I'm going to say the word remiss for the second time here. It's going to be the third time by the time I'm done oh. with this statement. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks. The guy stinks. I mean, he is just awful. I mean, the defense, I don't know where his defense went. This guy was an elite fielder. He was a good OBP guy, but he really fucking stinks. A little concerning. <sighs> Having said that. Take a deep breath, Mike. Come doggy, do. Come on, big dog. What's, bark a little I bit. Say, bark. I got to say, doggy, do. I appreciate the barking, but you didn't really mention much about DJ LeMahieu. Oh, he's been awful. DJ what LeMahieu. What is going <laughs> on with the man who was su- supposed to be batting three? There's a common a theme here. There's a common theme here between all of the offense. I think this is DJ's like worst output through 20 games since like 2014. It's it hasn't been great. Way. DJ, DJ's got gotta he's gotta get back to the launch angle revolution. Yeah, I mean I should have mentioned him too. He just hasn't been good. He hasn't been situations since his rookie season. You, when he was you would be old. remiss to I'd be not remiss talk about DJ. To not talk about to, DJ much to, much to your chagrin. And the amount of times that DJ is just rolling over balls, hitting into double plays. Luckily he's got two hits tonight. All right. Let me back up for a second. I have Take literally a just Taking a dookie cake on eight of the eight of the guys in the Yankees starting lineup. The only one who I will not take the duke on is Gio Urshela. He is certainly the most happy fella, and he has really <laughs> been great. Uh, not great. He's been okay so far. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you're watching a steaming pile of Duke, and uh, every single day in, day out, uh, and Gio Urshela is your best hitter, you're probably not going to be a very good team. And he's a pretty solid hitter, uh, but he cannot be the best hitter on the team. Okay, I will take a step back now. Oof. I have ranted about this to Matt from Hoboken already before, Uncle Train hearing it as well. Just can't talk about this all the time with Uncle Train because he's really going to get me riled up. Oh, come on. Uh, come can on. only do that every so often. <laughs> the Yankees will be okay. The offense cannot be this bad, but Jesus Christ, man, it's been bad so far. I'll it's tell you that. Um, I do think that they will get better. Uh, hopefully we're starting to see some of that come out uh, tonight. Four runs so far through four. Uh, so, you know, and you'd say to me, oh, but Big Dog, they're playing the Orioles. Yeah, well, they also made Matt Harvey look like 2015 Matt Harvey last night. So I don't care who they're playing. That I just want to see them start hitting. Um, and you know that they will as the weather warms up. It'll be okay. But I saw I saw a great tweet last night from uh, Howie Rose, and it was like, 
Imagine Matt Harvey just put together such a good performance that the Yankees trade for him at the deadline and he winds up where he's always wanted to be in his career. <laughs> he winds up in the Bronx playing for them because he had one be, quality start. I, I need I need a uh, picture of the PU that Uncle Train often sends, that little, oh, the little, that little boy <laughs> just like, grabbing his nose because that's what I think P-U. of Matt Harvey joining the Yankees for a playoff run. That just sounds absolutely disgusting. Um yeah, so the Yankees will get better offensively, but man, it's been tough to watch. It's a boring team, folks. I, I mean, it's just not it's not a lot of heart right now, and it's a little upsetting. I'm hoping Luke Voigt comes back, uh, and he will change that. I'm also hoping that we've seen a little bit of a changing of the guard tonight, folks. There's Ooh. a little bit of a different scent in the air. Tell us about uh, it, Doggy Doody. Not Gary a stinky? Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, no, no longer, and this is officially no longer the automatic starting catcher for the New York Yankees. Is this official or is this you making it official? No. Aaron Boone, pregame, said it's a day-by-day thing. You know that's manager talk for we got a little controversy on our hands. Aaron Boone also made sure to say that he had a talk with Gary Sanchez. Why is that significant, folks? Well, you might be wondering. I'll tell you two reasons why it's significant. One. Tell us. That's manager speak for, I had a talk with this guy, Higgy's going to be getting more playing time, you're not the starting catcher anymore. The other thing, well, last year, if you recall, there was a report in the offseason that came out that Gary Sanchez felt that he was never talked to about the fact that he wasn't starting every game in the playoffs. I Couldn't understand why. Didn't get it. You gotta be kidding me, Gary. Probably because Gary. big stank. Listen, Gary, you hit under 200 for a long stretch of time, you cannot be playing in meaningful games. And, uh... Let me tell you something else about Higashioka. Higashioka, four home runs already. Oh, oh the home he runs. He is a struggle. backup catcher. He has four home runs already. He needs more playing time. Defensively, much better than Gary Stankchez. Uh, just a much better uh, defensive catcher who you feel much more comfortable with trying to throw guys out, trying to keep the ball in front of him. Um, just really nice to see Higashioka hopefully spark this team a little bit. The other thing I wonder, the other thing I wonder, folks, and I've said this before on the podcast, Kyle Higashioka, and this is something that we've talked about, does he just call a much better game than Gary Sanchez? And is, gonna, is it going to have a positive impact on the pitchers? Are guys who have struggled so far, uh, like Kluber, Tyone, uh, Herman? Are they going to be a little bit better now with Higashioka? I think it's possible. I mean, look at Garrett Cole's splits. Not not a lot of information on it, but Garrett Cole's splits with Higashioka much better than Gary Sanchez. Garrett Cole with Higashioka, to me, pretty clear. He's the second-best pitcher in baseball behind Jacob deGrom. Uh, he's been that good. 50 strikeouts through his first five starts. How about that, folks? I mean, this guy has been unbelievable, Garrett Cole. Um, the the biggest bright spot for the Yankees, and I just wonder if the rest of the pitching staff will benefit from Kyle Higashioka. It remains to be seen, folks, but I am just a little curious. Um, now, moving on to the pitching staff. Pitching staff, other than Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's let's, been a fucking Let's cyborg. talk about the pitching staff. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the pitching staff. I do want to say first, Garrett Cole, I said he's been great, but, you know, it's... It, it may be getting a little overshadowed by the fact that DeGrom has been so great. He's been great. But Garrett Cole, He's been great. Garrett Cole has been really good uh, for the Yankees this year. As I said, he's the first uh, Yankee in history to have 50 strikeouts through his first five appearances of the season. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, we haven't seen that before. He's got three games already this season with 10-plus strikeouts and zero walks and five hits or fewer. We haven't seen that uh, in a while. Uh, so that's already that's already tied with Masahiro Tanaka and Mike Mussina for the most in a season ever by the Yankees, by a Yankees pitcher. And by the way, it's April 24th. So Gary Cole doing his job. Uh, he's gotten some, some DeGrom treatment in some of these games where he's just not getting enough run, run support. Did outduel Shane Bieber for the second time in uh, in the last 12 months, which you love to see uh, the other day. So Garrett Cole, we love that man, uh, and he will continue to be great. Hopefully for the New York clearly, Yankees, clearly worth the money. Yeah, so far, definitely. Um, and then it comes down to the rest of the pitching staff. 
So the starters have not been great, right? So you have Jordan Montgomery, who's been middle of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably looking at him as the four. Uh, I think he's overall been fine. You know, a little over four on the ARA. Uh, he's had some good starts, some bad. He grinds when he needs to. But I, th- I don't think Jordan Montgomery is your your problem. I like Jordan Montgomery a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he, he has got potential to be a good pitcher. Um, you know, he's that vintage Yankee lefty. He's not quite on the level of the other vintage Yankees lefty, but he's, he's the next in line. And uh, hopefully uh, he can be pretty good for them. I think the bigger question marks right now are Jamison Tyone and Corey Kluber, who neither of them have been particularly yep. good so far. But I want to take a step back from that. Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone were always going to take time. Jamison Tyone has not really pitched in two years, neither has Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber, also a notoriously slow starter. It was going to take time for these guys to be built up and and unleashed. Um, I do think the pairing with Agashioka, hopefully for both of them moving forward, will hopefully help them. Um, I've seen some some good stuff, especially from Tyone. Uh, he's got a nice fastball. He's got a great curveball with, with elite spin rate. Um, and I'm, I'm still hopeful on those two guys. Uh, and we're going to have to see what happens. I mean, that's going to that's gonna dictate a lot of what happens with the Yankees this year. Um, yeah. Yankees will hit, uh, but will they pitch enough? And, and the, a big part of that is going to be, can, can Kluber and Tyone be the, the two and three that match up with some of these other staffs in the postseason? Um, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see how that, how that pans out. Also, health. I mean, will those guys stay healthy? You know, we've been lucky so far through the first few weeks of the season, but that has not been a blessing for the Yankees over the last few years. Um, so we're going to have to see how that goes. Um, I'll pause there and let you guys comment because I have one other topic that I'll get to for the Yankees before we close this one out. I think Kluber looks like a corpse. Wow, that's literally all I, like. He doesn't I even you. have tw- he doesn't even have twenty innings in five games started. I understand he hasn't pitched in a while, but like, I don't think you shouldn't even be able to average five innings a start to start the season. Um, like, he doesn't have to go out there. Like, the Yankees' bullpen is so good where you, you don't need a quality start from Kluber every mm-hmm. single time he goes out. Right. But he's got to pitch a little bit deeper into games in order to give them somewhat better of a chance and not tax the bullpen. When Garrett Cole is your only, like, reliable starter, it doesn't even matter, like, how good your bullpen is because by July all their arms are going to be fall, falling off. So I, I don't know how much... I, I have hope for Jameson Tyone. I think that there's a lot of potential there. I think because he's still like relatively young, he has like more of an ability to bounce back from injury, um, and I think he's got great stuff. Uh, so he's not as much of a concern to me than Kluber is. I really like, in my opinion, I think Kluber is like borderline cooked at this point. But yeah. Yeah, I'm on. I, I I am on the same page as you. I mean, regarding their bullpen too. I mean, I know Britain's on the DL, um, but still, I mean, you got guys like Chad Green, the Lasagna Man. You gotta love the Lasagna Man, and Darren O'Day. He's been good. He's been really good, Johnny Lasagna. Yeah, and that's so that's the thing. I he, mean, again, he, he looks like he's turned a corner in his career, and is right. poised to have a nice, a really nice role and and big year out of the bullpen. I think he's been. Um, I think he's been a, uh, a big, bright spot for the Yankees. Their bullpen, the, the Yankees' bullpen, I think, and, and they've had some good bullpens over the last few years. This is the best I've seen it in, in a couple years. I mean, it, it's long and it's deep, and they don't even have Britain back yet. I mean, a, as much shit as uh, Yankee fans and myself included have given Aroldis Chapman, he looks really good this year, Aroldis Chapman. I mean, it is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean... Listen, much lesser scale than than what you'd see from a starting pitcher. But he's got seven games pitched so far, seven innings, 17 strikeouts. Yeah. uh, So that's the thing is I feel like he's always had a crazy K through nine, and he always kind of goes through these streaks of being, like, untouchable for a few weeks and then starts to kind of come back down to earth. You know, we'll give up a couple blown blown saves, you know, in a two-three-week time span. Um... But the rest of the year, the depth that you have in the bullpen between guys like Chad Green, the Lasagna Man, Darren O'Day, it's not like you are lacking, you know, those uh, relief innings there. Kluber's got to go a little bit deeper, like Hoboken, no joke, and said. Guys like, you know, Tyone Montgomery need to figure it out. Uh, Domingo had a solid outing. Um, yeah, I'm not sold on. I'm not sold but on him. The, it, it's, and He's the, also a domestic abuser. This has been the issue for the Yanks over the last however many years is... 
the starting rotation. You can have, you know, and it even goes into like the postseason. Even when you manage to scrape your way into the postseason, just on offense alone, which again, we know has been at a absolute doggy dookie stain in the back of the pantaloons this year. Even when you get into the postseason, you have guys like Tanaka to hold it down or CeCe to hold it down just enough so that the bullpen can come in, finish off the game, Chapman comes in, tosses a 150-mile-an-hour flamer at someone, some dude's head, and then strikes out the rest of the side. But that's how you guys have been able to make it so far the last few years. But it's it's been the starting rotation that's really been the thorn in your side, and it seems like even after getting Cole, you haven't been able to fill out really past the one spot. Yeah, I mean, no, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think the hope is that uh, you know, Tyon and Kluber can turn a corner. I'm I'm not ready to give up on Kluber yet. I think he, uh, I think you know he's, he he's a notoriously time. start Let him slow in. starter. And you're talking about a guy who hasn't pitched in two years. So yeah, hopefully fair. he can he can come out. Um, one thing I'll say about Chapman, I, I agree uh, with what you said. He goes through these stretches, but there's something different right now. Um, he just to my eyes looking maybe the best I've seen him as a Yankee. Uh, He's got a new splitter that is just absolutely disgusting as a pitch, and in a good way, not disgusting as in the Yankees' offense. Um, I think the thing with the Yankees, right, like they're going to turn it around with the offense. They're going to be better. They will probably make the playoffs. Um, But you do have to wonder some of these things that are showing up, the the poor defense, the lack of timely hits, is that going to cost them come October? certainly might. Um, We'll just have to wait and see. But hopefully they get better. Um, And uh, that's it. Hopefully next time we talk, I will not be ranting about how much the Yankees stank. We will see. I mean, again, guys like you're going to get Voight back soon, right? Voight should be coming back next week or the week after. DJ, you got to expect him to turn around and get back to his former self. He's a a Jeffy Mack kind of guy. You know, they are 300-plus hitters. That's what they know. Give it some time, and they will get back to it. Um, So we'll see. We'll see how it goes, you know? It's a lot. You know what? That's why they say it's baseball, Susan. And you got to give it some time. You got to be patient. You got to ride it out. Ride the wave, baby. Ride the wave. And without further ado, I believe it's time for a word from our sponsors. Crunch vanilla, rocky run. Chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. Scoop. There it is. Duke, there it is. Duke, Duke, there it is. Duke, there it is. Chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. Take a big dump in the toilet bowl. Duke, there it is. Say Duke, there it is. Chocolaka, chocolaka, chocolaka. Chocolaka, Duke. Chocolaka, chocolaka, chocolaka. Ladies and gentlemen, what are we advertising for? You gotta be wondering. Is it Geico? Absolutely not, Uncle Train. I mean, I mean, we we are all wondering. This is, is a Geico song, but we are not doing a Geico advertisement here, Geico. folks. It might be chocolate peanut ben butter Jerry's. Dough, folks. No, I'm thinking Ben and Jerry's. Hagen D's. No, no, no. Eddie, no. Eddie's. Eddie's. No, no, I think Eddie's. I I think this is just an advertisement for one of the greatest jingles in the history of jingles, folks. Um, just top to bottom. Uh, from the start that we hear French Vanilla, from the moment that we hear Rocky Road, I mean, everyone gets a little hype for the chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. Uh, and then when we start doing the scoop, there it is, and we do a little shaking of the touch. It is just... What's ice cream with a rabbit? TV history. one with a rabbit? What are you talking about a rabbit? The, uh, Brayers? Blue Bunny. God damn it, that's what I'm thinking oh, Blue of. Bun. Blue Bunny. Never heard of them. You ever, you ever heard of Blue Bunny ice cream? No. Blue Bunny has some great ice cream, let me tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. We're happy to be back. It's called, Who the Fuck Is That? Where we will give a couple statistics of a lesser-known player who happens to be absolutely killing it right now. And then the boys will try to figure out who the fuck that is. Can I say something about who the fuck is that real quick? You can. Just just a little fun fact. Talk to us, man. Uh, 
This was the first game we ever played when I came on the show. Back wow. in twenty Love back in twenty nineteen. I think it was like May twenty nineteen, season one of Uncle Train and the Big Dog. You were that late in season in uh, season one? Like a month into it, yeah. I ventured into the city. Could that have been twenty eighteen? Uh, it, I mean, it could have been. It's, it's I remember I moved to the city in October. No, because 2019 was the first season of the pod. Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't do any preseason. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. I went to that apartment that you lived in with the guy who would scream. Yep, classic. <laughs> classic. <laughs> Tales all this time. Uh, we 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 ripped a couple shots of whiskey, and that's right. Then... No, it was fireball. We had some fireball. Yeah, and then we played Who the Fuck Is That? So, shout out to Who the Fuck Is That? So, big shout out to the origins of Who the Fuck Is That? Matthew from Hoboken, his first appearance on the pod. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing indeed. So, let's jump into it. Gentlemen. Um, does anybody want to kick it off? Shall I go first? I have a human being for Who the Fuck Is That? Go for as it. As long as you don't steal mine. Yeah, go for it. Well, let's see. So the man, and you might know him, because it's really tough to not know his name at this point, but it's a name that prior to this year you'd be like, who the fuck is that? The man is leading the league in hits. He is 14th in on-base plus slugging percentage with a 996. He just beat the living shit out of the stankies in the Bronx. You might be wondering, hold on, wait a second. You mean to tell me this guy has the most hits in the league? I've never heard of him. Who the fuck is that? Big Dong, you seem to might know who the fuck that is. I had a, uh, I have to be honest with you, I had someone else in mind, because uh, the person that I was thinking... Uh, has not played the Yankees this year. Um, so I'm thinking a little bit, and I will turn it over to Matt Olton if he... Uh, or Matt from Hoboken. Absolutely Hoboken, no, no joking. joking. Hoboken, um, no joking. As I, as I ponder who, who this might be. Ponder away. Ponder he, away, my boy. He recently played the Yankees? He did. Uh, In the, the Bronx, Yankees. specifically? Like, we're talking about a guy who... Is it Joey Wendell? It is not. Oh, come on. The, the boy's got to know Joey Wendell. I know, but he's talking about... We're talking about now someone who beat the... Was, it, was, was he beat Bronx for sure? Like, is it in the Bronx? Oh, it was Ronald, Ronald oh, Acuna. Is, is, it, is it Seti Mullins? Cedric Mullins? Ladies and gentlemen, the big dog <laughs> nails it on the head. Cedric Mullins. You got to be wondering who the fuck is that well i'll tell you cedric mullins leads the league and hits right now with 31 dude is 14th in on base plus slugging absolutely took a big old steaming pile of stanky duke on the yanks last night two ding dongs uh, two ding dongs he's a good dude player, is Cedric. batting 365 on the year that's right you might have asked me before this, who the fuck is that? But let me tell you, it's Cedric Mullins, an absolute man, stud, drafted by the, the Orioles back in 2015 in a 13th To be the heir apparent round. to Adam Jones. They wanted him to be the heir apparent to Adam Jones. He's finally starting to, uh, to show that a little bit. Looking good mm-hmm. through the first month for Cedric, the How entertainer. This is, a, this is a dude, which you absolutely have to love it. He's been with the uh, Orioles since the early beginnings. Early beginnings, drafted by them in the 13th round 2015 draft. We're now going on six years later, and he's beating up on the Stankies. You gotta love it, folks. Well, there you have it, folks. Cedric Mullins for Who the Fuck Is That? And Matt from Hoboken. Miguel, nice guess. You go. I will let you go next. Thank you, my okay. friend. Okay, cool. So, my player, probably my favorite player of the 2021 season so far. Oh boy. Fan- fantastic name. Just burst onto the scene. A young boy, 22 years old. I got it. I got it. I got to keep going with the stats, though. 
I've been talking about him for like a month straight now. Can't stop saying his name. Um, he has a 155 WRC plus, uh, which is well above average of 100. So very nice job. He also already has, uh, I believe it's three triples, four homers, 13 RBIs. His on-base percentage absolutely stinks. It's 281 because all the man does is strike out if he's not getting an extra base hit. He was a Rule 5 draft pick, so he probably shouldn't even be in the league yet. But they have to have him on the roster in order to keep him on the team. So, I gotta ask, even though I know Miguel knows it, who the absolute fuck is that? Trin, you gotta guess before Miguel steals it. Is it uh is it the Mercedes dude from the White Sox? It is not Yerman, the Yerminator Mercedes. <laughs> now he's got a bit of a better name, I believe I know who it is. Is it uh Akil Baduki Cage? Oh, it sure is. Akil Yabba Dabadu. Akil He's the man. Dabba Baduki. He's a perfect boy for the pod. <laughs> wow. I'm a huge fan. He K'd already tonight because all he does is strike out or get That's an extra fun. base hit. But you have to love the oh, electricity he's bringing. Uh, you know, he's 22. This He just came up, uh, hasn't played above high A ball in his entire career, and now he's just in the majors. And he's hoping to play well. What you got to respect it. You got to respect the young boy. What a fuck. Oh, you get, well, you know that we love the young boys here in this pod. Uh, BCS young or BSC or BCS young boys in the Switzerland league. That's what we're talking about. You know, we're not, this is not a, you know, we didn't endorse anything else. Um, that is a soccer team. The BCS young boys. But either way, Akil Badu, 22 years old, drafted back in 2016 in the second round. By the twins, so he was how old? What? What was that? Was he like sixteen years old at that point? Jesus Christ! Okay, this dude loves to strike out. He's, He's obsessed with it. Yeah. But his okay. his OPS is nine forty seven. Like his slugging percentage is six sixty seven. All he, all he does is extra base hits and K. He, That's it. He he literally has he struck out twenty five times out of fifty four. Um, at bats, so the dude strikes out. Basically, he he's it's either he strikes out or he hits an extra base hit. Which Hysterical, unbelievable. Right. <laughs> boomer bust. Talk about a boomer bust. And one of the greatest names in the league, Akil Badu. Doggy duty. Tell me who let the fuck me, that is. Come on. Let me end it with a man. Who you might be saying, who the fuck is that when I read you some of the statistics that he's putting up you gotta be so far in 2021? And also, how about back to 2020? Wow. So, so far in 2021, my dude has a 382 batting average, a 432 on base percentage, and an OPS of 1.124, good for fifth in Major League Baseball. You might be saying, well, Big Dog, what else can you tell me about the man, the myth, the legend, who the fuck is that? Well, I can tell you that since the start of last season, here's a list of qualified players who have a 990 OPS or better. Juan Soto, Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Free, Nelly Cruz, Bryce Harper, and one more man on the list. I question you guys. Who the fuck is that? Trent, do you have a guess? I do not. Wait, wait. Say the stats again. So, so far this season, he is batting 382 with a 432 on base percentage, a 1.124 OPS. He is fifth in the league in OPS. And then since the start of last season, here is a list of qualified players who have a 990 OPS or better. Juan Soto, Mike Trout, the fish man, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Free, Nelly Cruz, Bryce Harp, and one more man fills out the list. He has 
five is it, is tater it the guy, tots. Is it the, the young dude on the cubbies? It uh, is not. Horner? Nico, no, Nico Horner? No, it is not Nico Horner. It's not the horny man. Um, this, man this man might be horny himself, but uh, this man is uh, not Nico Horner, I, but I you, are, you are in the correct division. Oh, well, I was going to guess Jared Walsh, so that takes that out of that. No, Jared Walsh, who uh, our good He's friend either... of the pod, CJ, keeps trying to get me to take off of his fantasy team. <laughs> I'm not doing that, CJ. <laughs> So he's either a... Big shout-out. So he's either a car... So, okay, so the horny man is on the cubbies. So he's either a writ, a card, a red... Who could it be now? Oh, I think I know who it is. Matthew Olton. It's the other outfielder on the Reds. He may not be horny, but he's definitely flirty from all the winks he does. Jesse the Wink Man. The Winker. It's Jesse the Winkmeister. The Winkster. I mean, Jesse Winker. Off to a great start this season. Has been playing some good ball. You love to see it, Jesse Wink. The Wink Man. You gotta love the Wink Man. He's flirting with the girls. What can you say? He's got the swag. You absolutely have to love it. Big ups. To Jesse Wink. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't let the man get you down. And keep rocking and rolling. That's a quote from my school of rock and roll. Um, shit. Okay. Well, if you were wondering who the fuck that is, now you know. Who the fuck is that? It's Jesse Wank, man. Not Nico Horner. You kidding me? Get out of here. <laughs> Damn. All right. Is okay. is that it? Is that what we got? I think that's it. Shohei Otani has seven dongs. Yeah, all that dude does is mash and then throw Holy absolute cheddar. Holy Very good shit. ball player. I got to uh, get going because my phone's about to die. All right. Uh, much love. It's been good. Hell of an up. Ladies and gents, we will catch you the next time on Subway Series Uncle Train the Big Dog. Featuring Matt from Hoboken, no joking. Please, dear God, do not joke. <laughs> it's been real. Goodbye, fun. everybody. What can I say? Arrivederci. We love you all. Fuck Trump, even though he ain't prez. Come on.